When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at marines.com. It's Wednesday, December 8th, and you're tuned into the Cleveland Baseball Talk podcast. I'm Joe Noga, joined by Paul Hoynes. Lindsay, I'm, I'm sitting here as we're recording this. I'm watching... Uh, Sandy Koufax shut out the Twins in Game 7 of the 1965 World Series on MLB Network. Uh, that means the lockout is still in effect and, and nothing else is going on. You know, hey, Sandy Koufax is great and I, I love watching him pitch. It must have been murder trying to face this uh, this guy as a, as a lefty. He was he was dominant in this game. But uh, I, I sure would like to be talking about, you know, current players and, and teams and and moves and strategy uh, doesn't look like that's going to be happening anytime soon. Yeah, that's for sure. I think that series is that World Series was the one when I think Mudcat Grant won a, maybe two games or two games in that series for the Twins. I know. Uh, yeah, I, I I think so. And this was Game Seven when uh, you know the Twins are at home and they couldn't get a run. Yeah, against Koufax. So. Uh, yeah, and, and Tony Olivo finished uh, what second in the MVP voting that year. That's that's crazy. It's you know, and uh, just watching this uh, in in black and white on MLB Network is is sort of you know you, you get a feeling for it. it. It's it it was a totally different game back then, but in a lot of ways it's, it, it was very similar. So uh, yeah, I would definitely want to be watching and talking about current players uh, a lot more, but. We have what we have. Uh, well, at, at this point, what are the players sort of fighting for in, in negotiations when, when they do get back uh, to the table? What do you think one thing that they want to see definitely changed in, in the CBA uh, moving forward it, it, that, you know, that it can happen at least? Yeah, they want to reach free agent faster, Joe, free agency faster. They want reduced... Uh, they want more players eligible for arbitration. So, you know, their younger players can get paid more earlier in their careers. And they want guys, uh, you know, instead of waiting six years for free agency, they want to cut it to five. And, uh, you know, I, if you're the owners, I, I just can't see them giving in on that or, you know, trying to, you know, I guess there's ways you could work around that. You know, they've talked about, you know, an, an age-based system to, to turn free agent. You know, you, you reach 29 point, you know, one and a half years, then you can become a free agent. 
but that really penalizes players like Lindor or younger players that come up to the big leagues young. And, you know, they, they're, I mean, there's, if they get their six years in, they're still with the same team, you know, cause right. they're maybe 27, 28 or 29 or, or, you know, they're not, they're not at that age group yet. So it's a, uh, it's a complicated issue. And uh, I, I just have a feeling Joe, that this is going to last a while. Would that force, uh, if something like that happened, would it force teams to maybe lock up their young, talented players like uh, like we see a Juan Soto or, or a Ronald Acuna signing big contracts or at, at earlier ages like that? Uh, would that trend likely continue if if that year of, uh, you know, that they go to the fifth year for free agency instead of six? You know, I, that's a great question. You know, you see guys like Wander Franco sign that huge deal with uh, with Tampa Bay, what, 10, 11, 12 years. 12 know, years, something like, you know, 200-some million dollars, yeah. Yeah, he's 21 years, or he's 20 years old. Uh, you know, I would think if they get, the, you know, if they get the, the, the free agency and the arbitration re- restrictions reduced, you know, I would think uh, players would be less, would be, not not inclined to sign multi-year deals because they can turn free agent faster and they can collect their money that way. I, I could, but teams, you know, might, might look at it differently and try to sign these guys up, you know, mm-hmm. at, at a younger age. Yeah. They would, they would definitely try to lock some of these younger, higher talent players. You know, the, the, the middle of the road guys or the, the league average player isn't going to see a, a 10 year contract ever, but it never was. But, you know, the guys who are, are, the, are the early poster childs for uh, poster children for the, the league that, you know, their faces are on the website all the time. The, those are the guys who are going to get uh, offered and locked up by, by teams when, you know, early on. It, Wander Franco didn't even play a full season and he's got a, a 12-year contract. It's, it's crazy. So, uh, yeah, it, at, at this point, uh, the, I think you're right, the uh, – the, the, the service time issue is the biggest issue that, that faces this CBA. Um, and, and there are, there are several, uh, boy, I, I think issues like, uh, is there going to be a universal DH? Is there going to be uh, expanded playoffs, things like that? Those are all still, you know, further on down the negotiation, you know, uh, list, but those all have to be resolved as well. Yeah, and uh, definitely, I think, you know, it sounds like the universal DH is going to get, you know, whenever this comes, uh, you know, comes out in the wash, that that it will be, you know, the universal DH will be accepted. But, uh, you know, the expanded playoffs will be 14 or 12 teams. I think uh, the two sides are going back and forth over that. Uh, but, and uh, the thing that's, that's, that kind of jumped out at me and listening to uh, Rob Manfred's Manfred's uh, post, you know, press conferences after the lockout was declared was that they haven't even talked about, you know, uh, on the field issues, a pitch clock, mm-hmm. uh, you know, automated umpires, um, you know, uh, uh, what there's something else there, uh, you know, the shift, or, you know, banning the shift. They, they, they tabled that and because it was such a, uh, you know, caused so much friction between the sides. And Manfred said, you know, we table it with the idea we won't even approach it till midterm and then coming on the next basic agreement. So, I mean, they've been talking wow. about this for years and now they're going to table it, what, three years down the road if, if, if they get another six or five or six year deal. So that's, well, that's 
that's that kind of came out of nowhere. Yeah, I didn't even realize that that was the case with the on-field stuff. You know, those were things that were coming up. You know, back when uh, back when Cleveland was in the World Series, so this is five years ago that they were still they were talking about all these pace of play uh, initiatives and, and and things like that. So uh, interesting that those have been tabled and are sort of you know not going to be part of this basic agreement conversation uh, in there. Like you said, there are bigger fish to fry. The 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 players' association sets their sights on on a, a few issues, and and that's where you want to make the the major changes. So, yeah. Uh, and as of right now, we're still not even at the table uh, discussing. So yeah. it'll probably be after the holidays when we when we get to that. There's one uh, thing, Joe, that 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 kind of jumped out at me. Uh, you know, the the owners have, uh, you know, uh have suggested or put out, put out there, you know, a draft where it would be a lottery draft like the NBA. So, you know, that would uh, appease the uh, players in terms of, you know, their concerns about tanking. So, mm-hmm. you know, that, that seems like it, that makes sense to me. That would, that would be an interesting uh, concept right there. Yeah. A draft lottery would be interesting. You could make a whole event out of it during the, during the playoffs or, or whenever you wanted to do that. So uh, we know how Major League Baseball likes to turn these things into like jewel events for themselves. So yeah, that's interesting. Let's see if that happens as well. Uh, on the uh, the nuts and bolts side of things, we found out there are six candidates now for the Mets job. So uh, whoever will be tending to the dumpster fire at this point: uh, Brad Osmus, Joe Espada, Bob Guerin, Don Kelly, Matt Kataro, and Buck Showalter. I believe Showalter's getting his interview uh, via Zoom today. Uh, we'll see. Uh, word is that it's Showalter's job to lose, but it'd be his fifth job, his fifth managerial job in Major League Baseball. At this point, do you think his heart is in it? Uh, yeah, I think his heart is in it, Joe, but he is a guy that, you know, he, you either love this guy or you hate him. You know, he it's his way or the highway. He comes in and, uh, you know, he, he really, you know, he, He's he's a he's he's great to talk to. He's he's and he knows baseball inside and out. But he can he can wear on you. I think he wears on the front office, and uh, you know so. But I think for a team like the Mets in their in their state, you know, after what they went through last year, that might be the best bet. And you know, it's a short shelf life. You know, three four years, and you're probably you know on to the next guy. But you know, I, I, I think, you know, Showalter is probably a, a good choice there. He could handle the, the media. And, uh, you know, I, I was listening to the radio today and Scherzer, I guess, you know, there was a, a report that Scherzer, you know, kind of recommended him. So and Scherzer just signed a three-year, what, $130 million deal for the Mets. So maybe they'll listen to Max. Yeah, that, that would make uh, Showalter the, uh, the inside favorite right now, I guess, uh, as, as it stands. And uh, we, we found out word Yasiel Puig has received an offer from a, a KBO team, the, the heroes of the KBO uh, in, in uh, South Korea there. Uh, Yasiel Puig hasn't played in the big league since he was with Cleveland a couple seasons ago. Uh, you, think, you think we'll see Puig play in the Korea baseball uh, organization? Yeah, I think if Puig wants to keep playing, he should go to Korea. Because I, I – I really don't think anybody's going to touch him here with the big league uh, in the big leagues. It just, you know, you, you don't go two years without playing 
without a reason. I mean, and I think he's healthy. You know, he, he put yeah, every time, you know, he was posting all those videos uh, earlier this, this past season of him working out on the beach where he played in Mexico, I think for Mexico, a while. Yeah. And, uh, but you know, no one has, no one has gone near Yaziel and uh, I, I'm not, There's, you know, he's, he comes with a lot of baggage and uh, yeah. you know, God love him. He's, he was, he was fun to talk to in Cleveland, but he, you know, he kind of, he rubs you the wrong way a little bit. Some he rubs management and that's that's what I was gonna say. He rubs the managers way. the wrong way. He yeah. managers <laughs> and, and, and teammates. He rubs the wrong way. Media he's all right with. I, yeah. Any guy who who licks his baseball bat, I, I still have a <laughs> I have a, a questions about uh, stability wise. But yeah, there's a reason why he and uh, and and Terry Francona didn't get along. Uh, didn't see eye to eye on a lot of things. And you know, uh, Joe, hey, his his. Whatever he what he hit one home run with the Indians. What did he hit? One or two, yeah. Yeah, I, I think his power kind of like, his power kind of like evaporated too. So I don't know what that was all about. But he still liked him. Arm, really yeah, liked him in the outfield. Uh, he he still run. really liked to uncork throws from right field. He oh loved my to show off his arm. Didn't he did he? not. He did not hit a cutoff man. I don't think so. He, no. <laughs> not a lot. Uh, hey, tomorrow uh, we will come back at you with our. Uh, baseball holiday gift guide, uh, sort of a, a secret Santa uh, setup. We'll, we'll talk a little bit about uh, baseball gifts for uh, teams and players and, uh, and you know, executives uh, throughout baseball that we think would be the, the perfect fit. Uh, we'll run down our holiday gift guide for baseball on tomorrow's show. Uh, today, we're going to get into George Valera, uh, Cleveland's number two overall prospect, uh, according to MLB Pipeline, uh, not ranked in the top 100 uh, prospects by that uh, that site, but uh, Valera is uh, certainly uh, positioning himself to to have an impact at the major league level. He's sort of the the guy in waiting right now. The the guy that everybody in Cleveland, uh, everybody with the Guardians, is sort of waiting to see and waiting for him to arrive here. Uh, in the outfield, can George Valera, at at the ripe old age of 21, uh, someday be the savior for Cleveland's outfield? Yeah, uh, definitely. This is a team that needs outfielders uh, that's had a hard time developing guys, really developing them and getting them to the big leagues and keep them keeping them in the big leagues. We've seen, you know, Naylor. I mean, they, I, I, uh, uh, Tyler uh, Naquin, and uh, you know. Uh, and Bradley Zimmer, they had Frazier, he's gone. So, uh, you know, lots of outfielders, but not, not too many guys have stuck. And, you know, this is their next best hope right here. Yeah, I, he comes with all of the sort of accolades at, at this point. Uh, the, the two things you know about George Valera when you, when you think about him, when you talk about him uh, with the Guardians is he's very young. He's still very young. He's He's been very young for the last three years since we've been talking about him. Uh, he's very young and he's very patient and he hits everywhere he plays. Every level he's played at so far, uh, particularly this past year at High A, um, Lake County, and then he moved up to Double A Akron. Uh, he was at times the best hitter on the club, uh, you know, even though he was, you know, 20, 21 years old. Yeah, you know, he overcame a oblique injury early in the season at Lake County, 
uh, uh, and then he, you know, moved up to Akron and, and, you know, those, his total numbers were like two, six, he had two sixty, five doubles, four triples, uh, 19 homers, 65 RBIs, uh, in 86 games. He can run a little bit, 11 stolen bases and 16 attempts and a nine ten OPS Joe. So he, and he did, he did most of that damage at Lake County, but mm-hmm. still he showed pretty well at, at Akron as, as well. Yeah, you talk about uh, his his OPS, you talk about his on-base percentage. You know, this is a guy who has an, sort of an uncanny uh, command of the strike zone, pitches he takes, uh, pitches he can recognize spin on a baseball. He's He knows how pitchers are going to attack him, and this is at a very young age. I mean... It, it it helps that he's what he's a he's a native of the uh, of the Bronx. He's from the Bronx. Moved back to the Dominican Republic when he was young, and that's why he was an international draft pick. Uh, but he's bilingual and very you know very knowledgeable as a student of the game. I I I believe is is the the feeling you get from him. His walk rate is sort of one of the the best things about him at this point because he hits for power. He hits all over the place but he also gets on base a lot. Yeah, Joe. And uh, he's kind of an interesting story. Like you said, he moved back to the Dominican when he was 13, you know, just from reading some of his back about him. uh, It's not, it's, you know, like you said, he grew up in the Bronx. His dad was in an accident Mm -hmm. uh, hit by a truck or something like that. And uh, they, you know, because of his, uh, you know, his recovery, they wanted to move back to the Dominican where the weather was warmer and that's where he started playing baseball. But before he left the Bronx, he was playing for one of the Yankees amateur teams, top amateur teams. And mm-hmm. the Yankees kind of had a beeline on this kid on Valera. You know, they were kind of grooming him, I think. And all of a sudden, you know, he, he they moved back to uh, the, uh, the Dominican and uh, the Indians take him, sign him for what? 1.3 million, a signing bonus. And, uh, you know, and he's been, you know, he's, they've de- been developing him ever since. Yeah, it just feels like and seems like for anybody who's followed Cleveland and their minor league system for the last several years, it just feels like they've been developing George, George Valera for so long. Uh, and it just, it, it was true. I mean, he signed when he was, what, 16 years old. So, uh, I mean, when when that happens, it, yeah, it, it takes away. That's why he was a, uh, a rule five eligible player this year was because he was taken. So, so early in the international uh, phase of the draft there. Uh, what, I, I mean, expectation right now is that, you know, he might open the season once they start playing at, at double a, and then, uh, you know, with a, an eye on moving up to triple a quickly. Uh, do you, do you expect him to spend the entire season in the minors in, in 2022? You know, I, I would think so, Joe. I mean, maybe, you know, I guess it would depend how the season goes with the Guardians. You know, if they if they struggle, you know, and and, you know, they they've already loaded that 40 man roster with so many young players that I would think nothing is going to stop them from starting to look at some of these guys. So I would think it would depend on uh, on just how they're competing at the big league level if and, uh, you know, it, and depending on who, you know, who they fill that outfield with right now, you know, you got Miles Straw in center field. And do you really, are you really going to open the season with Mercado and Zimmer? In the Miles Straw I, and two, two big question marks on either yeah. side of him, right? Yeah. Yeah. I, so 
who knows? Valera, you know, he's 21. Like you said, he hasn't played AAA, you know, so I, I would think you'd want to get him a little more seasoning. Yeah, I, I, I feel like, uh, you know, Valera, he'll be in camp, obviously, it, 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 to start with big league camp, but I, I think he'll be, be sent down to minor league camp relatively early. I, I would assume that that would be uh, one of the first moves there. Uh, however, we will get a look at him in some exhibition games. We'll, they probably will try to, you know, keep him out of Tito's, you know, keep him, keep him out of Tito's sights there because Tito tends to uh, to fall in love with guys like that. And <laughs> Chris Antonetti and, and Mike Chernoff might have other, other plans. You know, they, they, they do that with, uh, with pitchers particularly, but um, you know, they, they don't want Tito getting thoughts of, Oh, we could, we could use this kid right now in our lineup uh, when it's, it's a little bit too early for him. Uh, I, yeah, they, I can, <laughs> I don't see them opening the season with Mercado and Zimmer on either side of straw, but I definitely don't see them opening the season with Valera uh, anywhere out there at, at, at all. Um, he, he could probably use uh, a full or, you know, the majority of a season at AAA. I think he's in a, I think he's in the position that, that Gabriel Arias was sort of in at this time last year, you know, hadn't played any AAA. So give him the full season at that, at that level. Uh, and then see what he can do when he comes to camp the following year. Yeah, that's a great point, Joe. Where do where do you, you know you look at his breakdown on uh, defensively? He he's played spent most of his career in the minors in center field, but he's also played a lot of right field. Uh, I should say a lot of right field, more right field than center field. And uh, you know, like all like all Indians outfielders, they they play them all over the place. You know, they they make sure they play all all three outfield positions. He's played 44, made 44 starts in center, 25 in left and 63 in right. So I guess he's got a pretty good arm too, from what we saw a little bit of at the alternate site, not in the alternate site, but in spring training too, in 2020, you know, we saw him a couple times, uh, you know, uh, so uh, I, I, I'm not sure. I guess he could play either corner. What do you think? Yeah, I, I would, I would have to see his arm sort of in person before I, I got a feel for it. He might just be playing right field in, in the, the lower minors by necessity. Uh, boy, it would, it would be, it would feel really good to be able to pencil him in left field uh, starting in 2023, right next to, to miles straw. If you can lock him up for a, a couple more years there. Uh, and that would be, you, you talk about uh, an outfield with speed and, and athletic ability there. Uh, <laughs> you just get sort of pictures like this, this guy could be a Michael Brantley. He could, he swings the bat and he gets on base and, you know, uh, you know, walks enough, has a good enough eye. Uh, that's, that's sort of what Cleveland has been lacking for so long. And you sort of fall in love with that idea. Uh, you know, find somebody else to play right field who, you know, has a big arm um, unless Valera really is the, the real deal out there defensively. Yeah. And this uh, definitely uh, it's, it's uh, you know, and, and I, I, I like his attitude just by reading about him a little bit, you know uh, um, you know, he said, I guess he, you know, he, 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 his goal right now is to, he says he wants to be a hall of famer. That's, that's, that's his, isn't goal. that everybody's goal. Yeah. <laughs> That's what he's working toward. So, you know, he's setting the, he's setting the bar pretty high for himself. So let's see how he, how this kid does. 
Yeah, I, I'm, I'm excited to see him uh, and, and, and to see a little more of him. I was disappointed in myself that I didn't get out to uh, too many captain's games last year when he was with uh, Lake County and, and, you know, that close. I could have been out there for a, a couple of times to see him. But again, he, not knowing when he was playing with the oblique injury, there was uh, a lot behind that. But uh, this is, you know, circle this name for, for Guardians fans, definitely for the future. This is this is the guy to keep an eye on and sort of if there was if there's maybe one definitely untradeable uh, prospect on that, you know, top 30 list from MLB Pipeline, this would be the guy who's the most untradeable at this point. Yeah, uh, Roglis Older, his uh, manager at, at Akron said he's an everyday player in the big leagues. He's, he's only 20, but he doesn't think he's 20. He play like, you know, meaning he plays, he plays at, at an older age than 20 years old. So it's interesting. All right. To wrap up today's uh, uh, podcast, uh, just came just came across uh, hot off the presses, Hoynesy. We have breaking news: uh, Jack Graney has been elected to the Hall of Fame. Uh, the former Cleveland play-by-play man, uh, longtime broadcaster for the Indians, has been named the Ford C. Frick Award winner. Uh, he will go into the Hall of Fame in in 2022. Uh, long time waiting, and uh, this was. Uh, Jack Rainey's time. He's he's going to the Hall of Fame. Yeah, that's great. And uh, he played forever for the Indians too. Then was he an outfielder mm-hmm. for the Indians? For he was one time. of the first one of the first broadcasters to make that transition uh, from from playing to being a uh, a full time broadcaster. And and uh, he's a he's a legend in Cleveland. So yeah, uh, there's that great quote on him on the wall in the lunchroom at Progressive Field. What's it say? You know, I leave all the fancy words to the other guys. I just follow the baseball. (laughs) (laughs) It's classic. Uh, We'll have more on Jack Graney uh, tomorrow uh, on the podcast. But uh, Hoinsey, we'll we'll wrap it up today. We'll, We'll talk to you again Thursday here on the Cleveland Baseball Talk podcast. All right, Joe. 